Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio on a Farmer Friday. If you'd like to call into the show, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. Our phone lines will be open all throughout the show to take your phone calls. Again, that number is 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a second here. Before we do, I just want to let you know, and I know if you listen to the show every day, you probably have heard a lot about this, but the Ag PhD field day is coming up on Thursday. That's Thursday, July 28th, so that's this coming Thursday. We'd love to have you join us at our farm. Got a lot of great stuff lined up. We're going to have more equipment than ever, more field demos. We've got a bunch of autonomous equipment that will be running in the field. Um, they've been lining up a bigger and better air show than we've ever had too. If you've never been to our field day right around lunchtime, we have an air show. It's super awesome. So even like for me, I've got all these other things going on. I'm like, you know, I just want to stand here for a minute and watch this air show. It's pretty awesome. But anyway, we have free food and drinks throughout the day. Got a lot of great guest speakers lined up for you. We also have a whole bunch of really fantastic farmers scheduled to speak and I am excited to hear from some of these guys and what they have to say. But anyway, if you want to learn more about the Ag PhD Field Day, just go to agphd.com. Okay, let's get to the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, first question comes from Kim, who says, uh, Hi guys, we're avid watchers of your program and learned about Freelex from one of your episodes. Love the product, but I was mixing it with Roundup to hand spray my driveway and pretty much had instant cottage cheese. We did hear you mention tank mixing it with other products on another episode and wondered, is there a trick? We love the show and we love your product. Or the product, not our product. But anyway, uh, Darren, (laughs) we've had some of these issues and usually we just say use more water, but that's a real problem if you want Roundup in there. Yeah, it is, and it depends on the type of Roundup that's in there, but there are so many different Roundup products out there and so many generics and lots of different concentration levels. It can be a little bit tricky. You for sure want to have at least a half a tank of water before you're mixing things up. And what I worry about in that uh, spray for the yard is you're probably mixing a very small batch, and you might want that Roundup concentrated because you want to go fast. So... Uh, jar test your concentration first. You can play around with it in a very small jar and not risk a whole bunch of product. That's what I would do. Get the same mixing order, same products, mix it up in a jar first and just see what works the best for you. Yep, definitely. And when we talk about different glyphosates, Corteva makes a product called Durango, and that Durango does seem to mix better with the Freelex than the name brand Roundup. That's the K-Salt, the new formulation, everything. But yes, uh, it is a little bit tricky. Here's the other thing. Just spray them separate because Roundup likes very low water volume. And with Freelex, you can run more water. And then if you're spraying Freelex, you can obviously spray that in your lawn or a number of other places besides just the, the rocks out by your place. Where, where the roundup would have to go. Okay, next question is from Andrew in North Dakota, who says, you and many others talk about even emergence being the key start to good yields. If I had good emergence, should I expect even tasseling? Now, I assume he means even emergence, but anyway, is there a correlation between the two? Go ahead, Darren. 
Well, I would sure think so. If you're if you're seeding at the exact same depth, they're emerging on the same day. I would fully expect them to tassel on the same day. Yes. Yep. I agree with that 100. percent And uh, let me just say too, that it's not like you have to have even you know, even emergence to have really good yields. Uneve, we've had fantastic yields with somewhat uneven emergence. It's not like it's that big a deal. But if you're trying to get 400 bushel corn instead of 300 bushel corn, or maybe let me rephrase that, if you're trying to get 320 bushel corn instead of 300 bushel corn, then yeah, having even emergence certainly would be one of the things that would help you. All right, next question is from Ryan in Minnesota, or actually statement. He says, uh, well, question and statement, are you aware of the parts per billion level on a dicamba test on enlist soybean tissue that will result in yield loss? We've testing, we're testing out cupped enlist beans for herbicides and so forth. They're all coming back with dicamba detectable levels. Ryan, this is exactly what I was saying, I think it was yesterday on the show, that some people are saying, oh, it's just stress out there cupping the enlist, enlist beans. No, it's not. Not it's dicamba, but I I and I I'm I'm total agreement with you. I don't like the fact that we have the cupping or anything else, and I I understand this is nitpicking, but you say parts per billion that will result in yield loss. That is not true. And so for anybody listening, just because you have two parts per billion dicamba on your beans, that is not true that you are going to lose yield. You might. I'm not saying you might not, and I'm also not saying I'd love to see the cupping, but I will tell you that this this the, this research work has been going on for over 60 years now on dicamba leaf cupping, and in many, 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 many cases, they have found yield increase. In fact, for a while, they were trying to figure out Dow Chemical, way back years ago, was, was seriously considering selling tiny rates of dicamba on soybeans and cupping the leaves on purpose because they were getting so many yield gains. So again, don't get me wrong. I'm not defending anything. I'm not saying I want this, but don't just assume it's going to be yield loss. Okay. And then the last one here before our first break comes from Tammy. She says, you guys were so good with my last question about thistles. I thought I'd throw another one at you. What is this weed and why is it taking over my lawn? Darren, I can't for sure identify the weed, but it looks like some kind of clover or alfalfa or something like that. It looks like a perennial. And so just talk about killing a perennial, like a clover, or maybe even just an annual clover, but just clovers, alfalfa, any of that kind of stuff. How would you kill that in a lawn real quick? Well, you have to be persistent because it may have rhizomes. So dig the plant up. Pretty sure it does. Yep, I think that's what I'm seeing here. Moving across, popping other plants up. You got to go multiple repeated rates of a Freelex type of product. So it could be three applications for three years to wipe it out completely. All right, this is a Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are going to be open all throughout the show. If you want to call in, we'd love to take your phone call, 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plug nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, installation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at Pentair.com slash Hypro. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition N Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here live in the Morton studio on a Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. All right, first on, we've got uh, Steve Cubbage calling in with AGI. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Excellent. So I understand you're going to be at the field day. Tell us a little bit about what somebody might see if they go to the Ag PhD field day and stop in and visit with you. Well, certainly. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to be there in person, but we've got some boots, uh, AGI crew with boots on the ground, and we're going to have a, uh, a very uh, decked out technology van there to, uh, to showcase to, to growers so that they can literally step right into the world of the technology of AGI. Okay, so, so what is that? Ex- explain to us just a little bit about what you do. Well, certainly uh, we... We have uh, every technology that's collecting data literally from the field, but also uh, uh, tracking that crop all the way to the grain bin where we're monitoring uh, uh, that grain as you're storing it in the bin and, and making sure we're maintaining and uh, maintaining that value in the bin through uh, our sensor technology and uh, uh, certainly uh, then tracing that uh, journey back to uh, uh, the fields that it came from with our farm, farm mobile technology as well. We'll have farmers at the field day next week from all over the United States, all over Canada, and then many foreign countries as well. So where exactly is your service area, Steve? Uh, really, it's global. I mean, it's a, it is a global uh, reach from an AGI standpoint. Uh, and so obviously, uh, you know, we, if, if they're uh, if they're a farmer, we're probably there to uh, to service them in some shape or form with the AGI uh, uh, technology, whether from the digital side or or the uh, basically the manufacturing side. All right. So you talk about all, all the digital stuff here and everything. So what makes your data collection unique? I think uh, one of the things that makes us unique is is kind of the depth and the breadth of 
of the tech of the data that we can collect, especially at the field level. Uh, one of the unique things about the farm mobile technology that AGI has is being able to uh, extract data off of various machines and, and various types of machines, various colors of machines, various brands of machines at the field level and literally get that data out in real time in a standardized fashion. And so that's that's little really unique. And, and what makes it unique on top of that is we're not talking just about agronomic data, but also machine data as well. So knowing how much fuel you're burning, uh, the efficiency of that, idle time, those type of things, along with that traditional agronomic set that you're used to. All right, so you've talked about farmers making these data decisions and everything. I mean, what, what's, like, most important? What kind of stands out to you for a grower, for a farmer, when considering uh, what what data and tech decision to make? Well, I think, you know, obviously we want it, uh, that data to be open and shareable, but also at the end of the day is also the growers. And so uh, making sure that they, they have uh, access and control of that and being able to be transparent in that as well. So uh, that, that data has value, and we're looking at ways that that, that, uh, that data can be leveraged on behalf of the grower to, to uh, optimize their farming operation and op- optimize their opportunities there in the marketplace as well. Yeah, this is something I know for Darren and myself, we've been working on a lot here over the last few years, just trying to figure out how to take all that data and use it so we can make more money on the farm. That's really what everybody's after. Again, we've been talking with Steve Cubbage. He's with AGI, and we'd encourage you to just stop at the Ag PhD Field Day site, and you can see AGI next Thursday. Steve, how can someone get a hold of you? Other than that, where can they go for more information about AGI? Uh, it's simply to uh, go to our aggrowth.com uh, 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 website. And, say, uh, wait, say, you know, sorry, say that one more time. I think you cut out on me there. Say uh, that one more time. It's, it's aggrowth.com. Uh, aggrowth.com. Yes. All right. Sounds good. Steve Cubbage, thanks a lot for the time today. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much. I look forward to uh, having everybody drop by. You bet. Thanks. All right, we're going to head down to Kansas right now. Got Marty calling in. Marty, I hear it's hot and dry down there. You know, I, I talked to you guys May 31st. I looked at my call log, and I told you we were on Plan F. And uh, <laughs> we got corn that's had three-tenths of an inch of rain since then, and that's it. That was May 31st. Ugh, so yep. Hot and dry. We got probably half our corn. We may not shell. Um, we got we got some that, that's caught some rains. Because uh, we're pretty spread out, we caught some rains and and uh, and seem to seem to maybe get a crop out of that. But we've been above a hundred, I suppose. This is might be day day seven or eight, and with another week at least. So, hmm. yeah, that's pretty. too bad. But hey, I had a question today. Sure. Yep. Um, um, <clears throat> having trouble with herbicides getting activated, of course. On my yep. second pass of pre, I ran dual. Um, I ran dual and actually classed them this year because it was more affordable than uh, Roundup. And then I ran um, Ingenia. Um, and do you believe that a dicamba product will seal off the ground as long as you don't get any rain until it rains and hold pigweeds down? Or has somebody sold me a ba- bag of goods there? 
Okay, I'll go back 30 years ago even, when I was a young agronomist, and here's exactly what my dad told me, who'd been a farmer and agronomist for a long time. He said, Brian, as soon as you get the first good rain, then your dicamba residual is gone. Until you get that first good rain, though, dicamba does have actually pretty decent residual, he would say. Now, when people talk about activating residual herbicides, you usually need some rain, right? But with that dicamba laying on the soil surface, sometimes there's enough there to still get into the the weed. So is it going to be perfect? No. But is there going to be residual there for quite a while? Yes. So if you don't have rain, usually we'll figure that residual is going to be a week or two. Okay. I kind of feel like we may have had just a shower, like a a tenth, fifteen hundredths, and it wasn't enough to activate the dual. What's it take to activate dual? Yeah. Well, all depends on how much moisture is already in the soil. If you want it 100% activated, three inches. But if, yeah. let's say, you've got, already got a bunch of moisture in the soil, the topsoil's wet, um, it's it things are going pretty easy, you might see some weed control out of a half inch or a quarter inch even. So, But to get, you know, fantastic control, that's where we want that three inches if we can get it. Okay. What about the products that tend to hold it uh, in the in the top? or four inches of the soil do you 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 agree with those we ran them on our pre uh, ahead of uh, ahead of soybeans grounded is when we ran from helena uh so so i guess i'm not familiar with this or maybe explain a little bit more what what kind of product are we talking about here uh it's 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 added to the sprayer uh, pint uh per acre and it, it tends to hold the herbicide in the top couple inches of the soil in case we get those rains, like after we put corn in, and then we get six inches of rain in a month, uh, helps keep things in the soil level. Have you guys had any experience with those? No, nope, no experience with that. I, I mean, okay. it, is it possible that could help a little bit? It's possible. I don't count on that a whole lot, though. Let me ask you this. Here's my most important question. What's your cation exchange capacity? In other words, how heavy is your ground? Uh, probably 12 to 15. Okay. Yeah, at 12 to 15, we'd call that a medium textured soil. You can hold some stuff, but yeah, I get it because in your area, it's possible you could have a spring with lots of rain and you'd like to have that hang around. I'll I'll say this, when we talk about the group 15s, you brought up dual. Okay, so dual, I I call kind of middle of the road. If you've got harness surpass, the acetochlor, those will activate with very little moisture, but they also don't stick around super long. Zidua is the opposite. Zidua takes a little more rain to activate, but it definitely holds better in that soil if you get lots of rain. So that's why to the east you find Zidua more popular, and to the west you find Harness and Surpass more popular. What about the microencapsulated acetochlor? Uh, I don't, I like honestly... warrant, I think, yeah, is one? Yes, yes. I don't, I don't think you're going to see lots of difference, but I, I can tell you this. When it's microencapsulated, it's, it's going to take just a little bit more rain to activate, and it's going to stick around in the soil just a little bit longer. It's still, I don't believe, to the level of Zidua, but I haven't seen enough data to tell you 100% for sure on that. Hey, Marty, we got to run. If you got more questions, hang on after the break. Otherwise, we'll talk to you again hopefully soon, and hopefully you get some rain down there. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. There's a new kind of crop protection in your territory, and it's always on the hunt. Howler Fungicide unleashes multiple modes of action for proven, broad-spectrum protection against soil-borne and foliar diseases. Start protecting your territory at agbiome.com slash howler. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. 
To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make Zealpro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Compromise is nice if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitec fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitec fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in, and Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, along with my brother Darren. We are broadcasting from the Morton studio today on a Farmer Friday. If you'd like to call in, it's 844-44-AG-PHD or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We're going to go next out to Wisconsin. Got Todd calling in. Hey, Todd, how are you today? We're doing good. Excellent. What's happening out your way? It's dry. Really, really dry. From about... Rochester to the south side of the cities and over into western Wisconsin here it's uh I've had in my on, on our farm we've had six tenths of rain in the last month at best hmm. you know I, I I question these commodity markets when I look around the country I look at the national drought monitor and the drought seems to get be getting worse and everybody that calls in says I'm dry I'm dry I'm dry and yet the commodity prices keep going down doesn't that seem strange to you well it is and it isn't. Um, Naomi Bloom, my my marketer, she has turned also turned bearish on the markets, but it's more of an outside influence with the Federal Reserve I and agree. the Goldman Sachs and all this yep. other 
happy, whatever you want to call it. Yep. It's just, it's weighing in on it. But yes, I, we have either irrigated ground or heavy dirt and all our irrigated ground is in alfalfa right now, but the heavy dirt, I mean, it looks good. Everything's there, good. but it just started tossing like Monday, Tuesday. So I kind of got away from the hard heat, but if it don't rain Saturday, there really isn't a good chance to rain again for another week. And I mean, it's dry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we're kind of in the same boat here. We we got a five inch rain in an hour. It was a record. It was unbelievable. It mostly washed, but we some of the cracks in our ground were so massive <laughs> that a bunch just fell into the cracks. So they, we we did get a fair amount, but that was three weeks ago. So anyway, uh, okay. So so what else is happening on your farm? What anything you got left for spraying or any more crop management things you got yet this summer? Uh, no, we. We finished up spraying. I, we're going to put fungicide on yet, but uh, I guess the, that was, I guess I should have told the guy, guy my question, though, is we've been seeing not just my farm, but other farms, a lot of herbicide damage in soybeans this year. And, and we are, our farm is 100% in list, but we use us, I think it's a dual product called Charger okay. to put on there. And I, when it was so hot and humid and we were spraying and there was some, there was some damage on the leaves, you know, speckled them up, but more so where like you stopped at the sprayer and it probably got a little heavy on the spray and yeah. it took some of the leaves and burnt them right off. And I just don't like seeing that, I guess. But No. And in a dry year, that's the challenge is getting the number one, you end up with a little more burn sometimes Two, it doesn't recover as quickly. So yeah, I know we we've seen the same thing over here. It's, I, there's right. there's not a lot I can tell you. Usually, though, if it's just a little bit of leaf burn, it's cosmetic, not a real big problem, nothing to get that worried about. I just think back to years ago, and we used to talk to farmers a lot about Cobra, even before the Roundup Ready days, and we'd just say, hey, after you spray, take a vacation for a week, because it's only going to get yep. you worked up, and it's not going to hurt you anyway. And so anyway. It, it does it does, but I got to look out my front window and see it. Exactly. Know? That's why you need to take a vacation, Todd. Maybe you need to come out to the Ag PhD Field Day next week. Take the vacation. I, I, By the time you get back, it'll be better. <laughs> it, it will be, but I just go to the cabin up. I got a cabin in oh, two hours north of Eau Claire, but uh, yeah, I like spending a lot of time up there, and it, it's good. <laughs> so when you have when you have all alfalfa and the irrigated ground, and we haven't had to run much until the last three weeks of water so yeah. it's been a lot of getaway time so. yep well that's good all right well hey todd great talking to you today thanks a lot and uh, hope things turn out great for you the rest of this summer you too have a good day you too all right we got steve calling in next from over in illinois hey steve how are you hey good afternoon i'm great so in Illinois, there are a lot of people talking about tar spot. Have you seen any yet? Have you sprayed yet? Yeah, so we had it first in 2018. So we've been dealing with it a couple of years. It's kind of uh, rolling like a storm front through the state. You know, yep. Each year, it gets a little bit further and further south and, and west. Yep. Uh, we're pretty close to starting to spray fungicide on corn. It's just a standard procedure, so sure. it may have to come back up the second time, depending on infection. So you have sprayed already? No, we're about a week away yet. Oh, okay. We're just starting to, just starting to tassel here. Gotcha. So you're waiting for full tassel, and then you'll spray, and then you'll think about maybe spraying three weeks later if you have to? Yeah, that's gotcha. kind of a thought. We'll just see where it goes. Sure. Kind of keep monitoring the situation. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Sounds good. So uh, crop look okay where you're at? 
Yeah, you know what? Uh, in our spot, it's kind of a garden area. We got started late, but it all came up pretty quick. Uh, we're in really good shape. I can go 20 miles to the north, and they've had too much rain, and 20 miles to the south, and they've had not quite enough. Yeah. So uh, this is the year of averages, and we're in the middle. <laughs> well, it sounds like that's a pretty darn good place to be if your crop's looking fantastic. <laughs> this year. It's, <laughs> it's working out for us this year. Yep, good deal. So are you seeing anything like in your soybean? I assume you have soybeans there too, right? Oh, yeah. We got, uh, we're pretty much 50-50 operation. Yep. Uh, soybeans are looking good. Uh, wheat control seems to be pretty good. Uh, a lot more in list being used in this area. Yeah. Uh, just because of the shortage of Liberty and Extend Flex, we can't do a lot of dicamba yeah. around here because of high-value crops. So did you? Oh, it's just a different environment. Yeah. So did you spray and list yourself? Yes. And it, it did great, uh, great performance. Good. That was going to be my question because there have been a few guys saying, "Well, it hasn't been the best on the water hemp." My first question when they say that is, "How big was the water hemp when you sprayed?" Because yeah. I had a guy bring some stuff in this morning to my office, and he's like, "Yeah, how do I kill this?" And literally, it's a three foot tall water hemp plant, <laughs> and I'm going, "Yeah, uh, that's not probably not going to die." <laughs> right. Go pull yeah, it. Well, exactly. I, it, in fact, it was too big to. I mean, it literally break your back practically as big as that thing was so a hoe is about the only answer and i just remember when i was a kid and we had to hoe stuff uh when you had a weed that big it took a while just to get the one weed down and i know this guy had a lot of them so anyway how about uh, like fungicide in your in your soybeans or anything else you're thinking about yet this summer yeah we'll be starting fungicide on the soybeans here in another 10 days they're just a full r2 right now uh, so once we get into that R3, we'll be moving on that. Yep. Uh, digging some roots now, uh, any corn on corn, we're having issues with the smart stacks and resistance, uh, some trials with smart stacks pro that seems to be working well. Yep. Uh, some of the other products just are not holding it in this environment. Yeah. So have you been putting any insecticide with the smart stacks or just smart stacks by itself? So personally, we have not here. Yep. Uh, there are guys that do that are they're doing uh, planter applied SAI plus doing some beetle control. Yeah. In the uh, with the fungicide or whatever, just trying to hit them at all times and still having issues. Yep. Yeah, that's kind of what we've been doing is smart stacks, insecticide at planting, and then bug bombing later on. And, I mean, it, it's actually been pretty good for us, but, I mean, we're maybe not in quite as tough an area as you guys are. Yeah, we did. We trapped some beetles two years ago for the university, yeah. and they were about eighty percent resistant uh, to the Herculex. So uh, we've got a problem here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not good. Fortunately, yeah. you mentioned the Smart Stacks Pro. That does actually look pretty good. It's really interesting with that RNAi, the interference. Uh, so it basically stops that bug from creating a protein it needs to live. So it's just kind of interesting how all the biological stuff and biotech has been coming along. So hopefully we can overcome that resistance issue. Yeah, I think the product will work for another five years, and then it'll be something else. It's just the, the way it's gone. I've been doing this long enough. I see the everything works great for a few years, and then Mother Nature adapts. Yeah, I just remember when the BTs were first going to come out in the mid-'90s, and there, so back when I was in college and right out of college, I worked for a company called FMC, and they had a former South Dakota State University entomologist. He was 
like super well known all over the country. And so he taught me a bunch of stuff and it was super interesting. But anyway, so I was talking to him just a few years later when this BT stuff was coming out and he goes, Brian, that's never going to work. We do, we've been working on that stuff since the seventies. The problem is resistance. <laughs> sure enough. I mean, it, it, it wasn't quite as, I mean, it, it, it's worked much better than he thought it was going to, but he was dead on saying, yeah, it'll only last for a few years. And that's what you said too there, Steve. So no, we agree with you a hundred percent. Well, Hey Steve, uh, thanks a lot for calling in today. Really appreciate it and hope all that spraying goes well for you and your crop turns out great this year. Sure. My pleasure to be on. Have a good day. Yep. You too. All right. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster. That makes your spacing and depth more accurate. And that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit mybayerplus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. The success of next year's harvest begins with this year's harvest. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. 360 Chain Roll is a simple replacement stock roll for your corn head. Chain Roll doubles the rate of stock breakdown. It crimps and cuts tough stalks to boost microbial activity and speed breakdown. And compared to chopping heads, it reduces emergence issues in next spring's crop. See 360 Chain Roll in action at 360yieldcenter.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. 
on a Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, phone lines are open, 844-44-AG-PHD. You got Wayne calling in from Texas. Hey, Wayne, how are things down in Texas today? Hot and dry. Uh, yeah, I've been hearing that just about everywhere, unfortunately, Wayne. Uh, is that the way things have gone for you most of the summer so far? You know, we just finished combining uh, Milo and, and some flowers this week, and we had had a big rain the end of June, and then it's just been hot and dry ever since. Hmm. So Milo, that's not necessarily a bad thing because we're going to start defoliating cotton on Monday. So oh, okay. maybe we need it that way just a little bit longer. Sure. So how did the Milo and the sunflowers turn out for you? It was a mixed bag. We pretty big hailstorm that came through with that rain the first of june and estimated area 25 to thirty thousand acres were affected and so where we didn't have hail it was pretty good where we did you know is disappointing yeah obviously yep yep so you mentioned cotton and defoliating cotton so what what does that look like in terms of so for our listeners who aren't very familiar with cotton just explain what you do with defoliation and then how soon you harvest and all that kind of thing it's usually a two-shot process and basically what we're doing is help the plant drop the leaves basically get some more sunlight in there so we can pop and open any more remaining bowls that aren't quite open yet and speed up that process uh usually five to seven days apart are our two uh, defoliant applications and hopefully 12 to 14 days later we're harvesting how's the cotton crop look so far because cotton likes at least hot not necessarily super dry but hot it's you know our irrigated cotton is really good and i'm hoping our dry land can go between Hopefully average around two bales. That might be a little aggressive, but it's it's a good crop. I'm happy with it. Cotton price okay yet? It's been very good. It's come off here lately in the last few weeks, but we've been selling as we, we go here. And so it, our average price per bale or per pound right now is, is good. And uh, all we need to do is get it out. So I know you raise a lot of crops on your farm. What else, is there any one crop other than what we've talked about so far that you are kind of excited about where you say, ooh, this could be really good for me yet this summer? I would say that's cotton. And then uh, we're already starting ground prep for for onions here. And uh, we'll start planting onions in September. And so we're already working ground and we'll start laying drip tape. And uh, hopefully that's, onions have been pretty good to us the last few years and we're hoping that continues. So tell us about onions a little bit. Another thing we almost never talk about on the show, when do you plant? When do you harvest? I mean, how much management goes into it during the course of the season, spraying, that kind of thing? So we're we're on drip, and we'll start planting uh, mid to late September, and hopefully our early onions will come off late February, early March. And we'll, we'll have several plantings, scattered out within 45 days or so and then you know we'll start harvesting in early march and hopefully go to first of may and it's uh onions are very susceptible to disease uh you know with our humidity down here we can get a lot of foliar disease flaring up so we you got to stay on top of it 
So do you have to contract the onions in advance or do you just raise them and kind of hope for the best later? How's that go? Some of both. There's there's some contracts with chain stores. You know, if you can be first to market with with Texas onions, that's always a good thing. We we fight Mexico and we fight Peru, but if you can get to get in the stores early with with Texas onions, there's usually a premium for that. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, Wayne, anything else you want to leave us with today? I hope everybody has a good end of the growing season and weather treats them right. We wish the same for you as well. Again, that's Wayne calling in from Texas. Hey, Wayne, thanks thanks for the time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Again, if you'd like to call into the show, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. But before our next break, I wanted to get to just a few of the questions. And Alex, maybe you want to get Darren back on here too. Uh, the first one that I wanted to hit on is when this one comes from Tom. He says, when are hefty days? Well, I assume, Tom, you're talking about the Ag PhD Field Day, and that is just a one-day event. It's next Thursday, July 28th. It's always the last Thursday in July. And it's an event that we put on every year just to say thanks to everyone for listening to us here on the radio on Ag PhD Radio and watching us on TV, Ag PhD TV. We really appreciate that. And so we'd love to have you come to our farm and show you some of the research things we're doing. And then we bring in a whole bunch of great guest speakers and we bring in a number of different ag companies. Got a lot of great equipment we'll be running in the field. So it's a fantastic day. You'll love it. Just go to agphd.com to learn more. All right, got my brother Darren back on again. This question, Darren, comes from Robert. He says, where can I purchase a small quantity of milestone? I assume he's talking milestone quartz there, Darren. Yeah, most uh, ag chemical retailers would be able to have that. And, and if they don't, they can order them in. All right, here's one of my favorite questions uh, that I've seen so far today. This one comes from Kerry in Kentucky. He says, hey, Brian and Darren, I know you guys don't like to talk about your failures, but I think discussing them will help others from repeating, for example, spray tank failures, tips on products that shouldn't be mixed. Uh, as official ag guinea pigs, would you be willing to share details about some of your failure, failures? Might make good content for a whole episode. I love the show, and I listen to the radio show every day. Thanks for the free education and everything you do. Uh, Carrie, we talk about our failures almost every single day, either on the radio or especially on, on TV. And just the mistakes that we've made over the years, I agree with you 100%. If people are willing to share their failures, we can all learn from that and hopefully not make the same mistakes again. Darren, you got anything to add? Well, I agree. We do talk about our mistakes a lot on the show, and uh, we we do make mistakes. We, we are real, and uh, our, our farm is not perfect. So that is something I agree with you. We learn a lot from those. And rather than taking a whole show to talk about the failures, I think it's best when we say, hey, here's something we did uh, not in the best way possible. Now here's what you can do to avoid that problem, because we don't want to see anybody else make those same mistakes. And I would say, too, it's one of the things our dad encouraged us to do, not that he wanted us to make huge mistakes, but he just said, if you don't try new things, how are you going to get better? The key is making small mistakes. So in other words, try it on a few acres, not the whole farm. All right, next next question comes from Matt. This one's also pretty interesting. Darren, you'll like this. He says, love your show and what you guys do. I just saw on Twitter, Joe Rogan and Ben Shapiro tweeted a misinformation about Cancer-causing herbicide Roundup found in 80% of urine. 
Uh, I've heard Joe Badmouth non-organic agriculture before on his podcast. Not sure if you'd be interested or not, but Joe has tons of different guests and he lets them talk. Hopefully Joe doesn't uh, ask Brian about tile before he gets to glyphosate. Uh, we need somebody like you guys on that that podcast to help set him straight. Here's a guest request form, he emailed us. Oh, and he also, his comment at the very bottom goes, uh, don't put this on the air if you don't want to. <laughs> well, Matt, we put it on the air because uh, I, I would say this. There are a lot of these things out there that are absolute misinformation. Roundup hasn't been found in 80% of people's urine across the world or anything. And so I, as I was reading this question, I just thought, you know what would be interesting uh, is we should have those two guys and Darren and me all take uh, have urine samples done and we send it into a lab. And let's just see if anybody's got Roundup in their system. And then you go take some random people off the street. There's no possible chance that this is true. So anyway, it's it's... It's really, I just think, unfortunate that they had put so much bad information out there and then just continued to forward it on. Darren, your thoughts? Well, I agree, and and that's the challenge with um, with our social media today is you can post anything you want. Yep. And there aren't really fact checkers out there. And when you look at the article that that and Joe puts out tons of great content and. Uh, and has a fantastic show. Obviously, he's been able to monetize it tremendously. Kudos to him. Uh, but this particular study that he quotes uh, was written by somebody that used to be an actual journalist, but isn't, a, isn't an actual journalist anymore because they basically wanted to write for a lot of these activist groups. So you got to look at the source. Yeah, you definitely do have to look at the source. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Stop wasting time and money with obsolete adjuvants and foliar fertilizers. High-yielding crops require high-performing multifunctional products like the Fulltech Adjuvant Cube and Impulse from Spraytech. Contact your local retailer or visit Spraytech.com for more information. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide, the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools gives you another carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Corn rootworms are called the billion-dollar bug for a reason. 
If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Labeled for field corn and seed corn, Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. That proven chemistry makes it an excellent fit in integrated pest management and insect resistance management programs. And with less effect on beneficials than many traditional chemistries, Steward EC Insecticide reduces your risk of creating other pest issues like flaring spider mites. Choose Steward EC Insecticide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. We're going to get right back to the Ag PhD mailbag. we got so many questions here. And Darren, this one is actually, and i got to apologize to... Uh, uh, Mike, who sent this one in, because it's been three weeks, and sorry about that, Mike. We just have so many questions we're trying to sort through every day, and some we obviously can't answer, and so I apologize. It's taken us so long to get to this, but Darren, I, I am pretty certain you saw these pictures. Let me let me explain, and then it'll probably uh, ring a bell for you here. He says, we're starting to find a lot of damping off in soybeans around us in southern Minnesota, and I think it's Rhizoctonia. I also talked to one of the area crop consultants, too, and he's finding a lot of areas he's seeing the same thing. Now, the the real question here is these were fully treated with seed treatment, uh, including a, a number of different fungicides and even saltril. What else are we supposed to do? Uh, we started off slightly wet but very cold since we've gone hot and dry, so are you guys, he, he just asked here, are you guys seeing this in your area? He said these beans were probably V4 when they died. What should I be doing next year? Well, when uh, disease is a problem out there, it sure stinks. You know, we look for a varietal tolerance on a lot of the different diseases, but I think right here the first thing that I would do is send in samples of those plants to just to get confirmation of what it is because oftentimes when one disease sets in you may see two or three different diseases by the time that plant is dead if you're not out there right away at the early signs of disease so identifying the right issue is, is going to be a big key here yeah I, I i agree with that it's just when you see plants that are living and you go, boy, I think I've done everything I can. I got the best seed treatment on there. Now what am I supposed to do? What I'm always going to come back to is drainage and fertility. How good's the drainage there? How good's your fertility? And yes, Darren, you're 100% right. And I, we want more tolerant varieties. So that's obviously what we got to try to pick too. But I'm just saying as a base, I, I would like to see some soil tests in the worst of those fields. I'd like to see okay, what are we doing for drainage there? Because if we don't fix those two things, then our plant can't be as tolerant to anything that it's trying to defend itself against. All right, next one here is from Roger. He says, guys, I've started to take a few tissue tests on corn to see what I may learn. I do have soil tests that correlate with these points that I could send if needed. Anyway, I'm in central Illinois. We're in a moderate drought. I was most surprised about phosphorus, potassium, and sulfur 
because I've been working on my K and sulfur levels. Well, on my test, uh, he says RBI. I'm not sure what that is. I'm guessing soil test-based saturation. But anyway, he says it's over 4% on K. Each point had 300 pounds of ammonium sulfate last fall as well. That's why I was surprised that K and sulfur would be so low in the plant. I've been trying to build phosphorus. I also have been working on boron and zinc, so I was happy to see those numbers up. Uh, am I looking at a stratification issue because of the moderate drought? Our crops do look pretty good for being dry. Oh, he says, also tell Brian I've started a 78-acre tile project. We put mains in last week through the soybeans, plan to do laterals after crop is harvested. I had my contractor double up on the end rows since they get the most traffic. So I'm not entirely sure what, what that means exactly there. Maybe having tile lines closer together or something. But anyway... I, I would my well maybe Go Brian ahead. it's just I don't want to I don't want to create compaction so I want to make for sure that that water table's down on the endros. True. Okay, so let's get back to the main question here, which is why are phosphorus, potassium, and sulfur short? The big reason is because you're dry. Nutrients are going to go into the plant with moisture, and the drier you are, the tougher it is to get those nutrients into the plant. That's why placement and the ratios and just flat out the amount you have in the soil are so important. We talk about this often here in the western corn belt where we want higher levels of K than in some other areas because we know we're going to face drought. And we can all play the victim role and say, well, there's nothing I could do. We just think it rain. Or we can say, you know what? I'm never going to lose my K anyway. I got crazy heavy soil, almost no rainfall, and I, I we're frozen half half the year. So my odds of losing my K are zero. So I'm just going to put extra potassium out there. I, worst case scenario, long term, I can mine it out if I have to. But I got to have high levels in order to get a normal amount of potassium into the plant in a dry year. So that's my first thought. What do you think, Darren? Well, I agree. We, we just got to have more nutrition out there. And when we do get dry, you're right. We're going to see that we're short on some things. You can... A lot of folks will turn to foliar feeding, and foliar feeding is going to tell the root system, hey, uh, hey, I'm just getting some potassium in. That's great. I need more, and it's going to go to the root system trying to find it. And, again, if you don't have enough in the soil, it's just not going to help long term. So build that soil up. All right, we're going to get to five questions yet in five minutes here. This one is from Matt. This is a simple one. He, Darren, Matt asks, when can you guys plant alfalfa, or is it year-round? Typically, either in the spring or summer, we would do April or August. Yeah, I mean, theoretically, you could plant about seven months out of the year here, but realistically, you want it August so it beats the fall frost. So we got to get some plants up, get them established, get them growing. Otherwise, if you plant too late, then a lot of the plants will die. And in the spring, we have to wait <laughs> at least, hopefully, till the frost comes out of the ground. That's usually April. Sometimes it's May. All right, next one is from Brent. He says, I'm hoping you guys can help me out. I recently sold, sowed 40 acres of alfalfa meadow brome mix, and I have many weeds, sage being the main culprit emerging. Do you have any recommendations that I can spray in the field to target the broadleaves that won't kill the alfalfa or the grass? Brent, this is maybe the most popular question we get on our show, and we say it all the time. Please don't seed grass together with alfalfa if you want fantastic weed control because I don't have any great answers. I mean, you can go out there with Bucktrill, but other than Bucktrill, that's about all we've got, isn't it, Darren? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, you're right. There isn't. Nope. I can't think of anything else. Yeah. So here's the other thing. The reason why I like splitting it up. Let's say you raise 20 acres of alfalfa, 20 acres of brome. I would contend you can get more total tonnage doing it that way than mixing them together because now you can treat the alfalfa how it needs to be treated. You can treat the brome how it needs to be treated. So I understand the reason why you would put them together, but it's it's just hard to manage a grass crop and a broadleaf crop the same way when they're completely different plants. Okay, next one comes from Mike. He says, what kind of herbicide can I use to kill poison ivy around my yard? Oh, and by the way, it doesn't matter if I kill the grass either. Go ahead, Darren. Well, uh, you could just use a Freelex or a 2,4-D type product, or if you could, if you're in an area where you could use Remedy Ultra, that's what I would do. Yeah, I, I would say if you want to go out there with Roundup, a high rate of Roundup, and kill all the grass, you can do that, but I just don't see the point. I, I mean, poison ivy is a broadleaf weed, so yeah, I'd hit it with a the highest labeled rate of Freelex multiple times per year till it disappears. Otherwise, like Darren said, there is Remedy Ultra. That is a, a good brush killer. Um, it, it's just you got to be at least a little bit more careful where you're going to spray that because when I think about around the yard, sometimes there are brushes and trees and stuff you actually want to keep. Okay, next one comes from Bill. He says, I got Colorado Bruce Bruce trees planted next to my alfalfa field. I use Transline, which is the same thing as Stinger, around the trees to control broadleaf weeds. Is there a herbicide available to control grass weeds around those spruce trees? I avoid using glyphosate products close to the trees. Bill, we've always talked about Casseron and Princep as residual herbicides. In terms of killing that grass, I, I mean, we usually, if we're going to kill grass and broadleaves, we just spray Roundup around the trees and keep it off the trees. And once that's done, well, then the Casseron or Princep would be able to hold things back. You could also use uh, like Trifluralin or Pendimethylin or something in trees. Just make sure you find a labeled product. Anything else you got there, Darren? That's exactly what I'd recommend. I don't love Stinger uh, because it can be really hard in your eyes. So you got to be really careful with that. For broadleaf weeds, I would instead use Freelex. Okay, and then last one. This is from uh, Chuck. He says, in northern Michigan on potato grounds, we have to put up with we have to put up deer fences to keep the deer out of this high value crop and soybeans uh, right as they're ripening. I'm seeing deer take off the top few inches of the plant, and in some cases, in the whole field, it's uh, three or four bushels on corn. Uh, we're, we're also having trouble with bear. Okay, so Chuck, I would say a few weeks ago we had a wildlife specialist from North Carolina call in and go, guys, try using coyote urine. <laughs> he said, coyote urine costs like $40 a gallon. We're only using two to four ounces of it per gallon of water when we spray it. Usually lasts two or three weeks or until a big rain. It's worked great keeping the deer out. So anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. All right, we hope you've enjoyed our Farmer Friday today, and be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.